Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Welcome to Three, a show about Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic and part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Gil Gross with Joel Drucker and Amy Lundy. Novak Djokovic is your Wimbledon 2022 champion, his seventh title at the All England Club, his fourth in a row. He beats Nick Kyrgios in four sets. Joel, how impressed were you by Novak Djokovic's performance over unseated yet ultra-talented Nick Kyrgios? Tremendous effort from Novak. Uh, he got loses the first set. Not easy against a guy who's serving like that, moving like that, shot selection. Probably felt like he had the racket being taken out of his hands. But then Novak did as he did, done in so many of these other matches, whether it was Nori or Sinner, he kind of eventually took the measure and found his moments when he could kind of get in there and hang in there and sustain. It was very impressive effort and, and very impressive tiebreaker, though I, uh, Novak and tiebreakers, man, that's a whole seminar. I thought that it was a high quality match in terms of the tennis. Sometimes you get a great match in terms of drama and lead changes. This one was just great in terms of the overall quality of tennis and the little bit of contrast in styles. I thought Novak really did nick in with depth. Um, if you compare the ground strokes of the two, I mean, Nick hits a pretty hard forehand, um, but I, you know, I was noticing that they, a lot of his ground strokes were hard, but just a foot or two past the service line, whereas Novak did his Novak thing and so many of his returns and his forehands and backhands were landing, you know, just a few inches inside the baseline with pinpoint accuracy. Novak's forehand, I think is bigger than than Nick's and I, I think like the miles per hour would flesh that out and so and I agree Amy Nick has kind of the heavy top spin mm -hmm. on the forehand that can sometimes land short and be a little bit loopy where Novak hits it as more of a, a laser and it tends to penetrate better um, what about taking away depth though how about the drop shots those were those seemed on the backhand side to, to play a major factor for Novak. There are so many technical parts of what Djokovic did in this match against Nick that you can highlight. Um, I think the drop shot is one of those things and just how he controlled and dictated uh, with his backhand because that's where I felt like Nick was very excited or, or eager to go backhand to backhand because he felt that's my safe haven if I'm outmatched on the forehand. And Novak said, safe haven, not at all. And the use of the slice sometimes too that Novak used where he sometimes used the one hand backhand slice and kind of curled it down the line, but the drop shot, I mean, the combination of, of depth as he went to establish the depth and then the drop shot, but then to execute it, you know, there's a lot of, this is a real uh, high wire win for Novak. I mean, in some ways, obviously beating Federer from match points down was 
incredible championship points down. This one too had its moments of real tension. I mean, Kyrgios serving the third set at four all, 40 love. I thought the the quality of points were just to me eminently more entertaining than last year. And and last year was a pretty good final. But Novak really did not let it get to him if Curios pulled off some sort of cool get or great hands at the net or if he brought him in with one of those drop shots and Curios was able to pull off winning the point he really stayed calm he stayed calm throughout the entire chatter episode the the funny one-liners that Nick was pulling off the the interaction with the chair umpire it's almost as if Novak had sparred against like a a trick shot artist who um, was also chattery, like a, a Pixar character or something like that. He was so prepared for anything. And, uh, you know, even Novak in his post-match press conference uh, mentioned that you got to be mentally strong and that he would like to see Curios, or I'm not sure how he worded it, but he said that Nick, if he could just up the mental toughness a little bit, he'll really be onto something. The Pixar character, I like that. So it was more like Nixar, like he's a special <laughs> animated guy. And again, playing someone like that who's making these comments, it reminds me way back of uh, Alien Nastasi, like, what are you doing? You know, he's making these comments and it's distracting, but he's mostly really distracting himself. That's mm -hmm. the thing. And Kyrgios, it's, it, a lot of this Wimbledon validated Kyrgios's approach to tennis and even life, everything. But Novak just, I think he's just so good at putting on the blinders, at just thinking about what he needs to do. Obviously, a big thing was finally dealing with that serve and getting it back. And the difference between the uh, Berrettini final, Curious' backhand much better, Curious' serve better. I don't know, I, the numbers might not entirely show that, but I think they they would. But Curious is his variety with the serve. I think Curious is a very um, smart, eclectic player. Different shots, different choices. So that put Novak constantly off balance throughout the whole match. I want to dig a little bit into the mental toughness thing. I think what, what's fascinating about this match is you have two crucial turning points where you have a, where you have 40 love situations you have in the second set. Djokovic is trying to serve it out and goes down love 40 and comes back from it. Then you have in the third set at four all Nick is up 40 love and Djokovic comes back to break serve. So you have those two, games and you know you could highlight a couple of points but I, I almost feel like Novak mentally can play every point the same it's just here's another point here's another point here's another point Nick it feels like at deuce for example when he blew the 40 love lead he double faulted and missed a first ball backhand and Nick wasn't here's another point he was I blew 40 love this is horrible yeah. I blew 40 love I blew 40 love um, like there's a, there's a stark difference in how they handle those kinds of things. Well, one of the reasons that Curios is so relatable is he says the quiet part out loud, or he says the running stream of consciousness that we all have when we play matches out loud. So I think people can really identify with that. Also, I've noticed watching him over the course of his career that 
the pressure increases for him when he's ahead. And that I can also relate to. It's kind of like he won that first set. He gave it his all. He actually broke the amazing Novak Djokovic on center court in the final of Wimbledon. Now he's got to keep that up. And the pressure just starts to mount and he looks for outlets and ways to blow off steam. And, you know, in, in my view, that makes him very human. Other people say that, you know, he needs to clean up his act or whatever. Um, I personally find that a very relatable aspect. However, he was in no way, shape or form ready to, to win this championship. It does make him human. And so that's kind of the thing that makes him endearing. And like a lot of us and people. And I think though, uh, you know, Karis would probably like to think he's an instinctive player, whatever that means. And I think Novak is too, because I think instinct, the best definition I ever heard of instinct is trained knowledge. And so this gets into the whole, the whole homework dilemma. Karis strikes me as the guy, yeah, you know, I study the way I study. And I show up and look, I'm in the finals of Wimbledon. And Karis felt he was in it with a shot to win it. And he was, I mean, he was, you know, set all four, all 40 love. But then there's this other part, it's like, what has truly been your homework? What is truly, and Novak, nobody in tennis can ever out homework Novak. I mean, probably the history of the game, you're looking at people like Yvonne Lendl and Nadal and Federer and Jimmy Connors. And you know, these guys have put in so much of the time. So then when you get to that situation, you can at least compete effectively. And I think what was unfortunate for Nick is that when, the, when it occurred, Deuce, he wasn't even able to compete effectively. The tiebreaker starts off in the fourth set. He double faults on the first point. So it's not even like he, he forced Novak to come up with some answers. And that was unfortunate. And that makes him such a endearing, but also a head scratcher because he has so many things he does well. Yeah, I was back to kind of the fourth set tiebreak, like one moment. And again, I'm like 90% positive about the performance that Kyrgios put in. I thought he played for the most part as well as he can play his best match, put his best foot forward. Guess what? Best foot forward is not good enough to, to beat Novak. He's just not at that level. Uh, but like one other, he went down four one in the tie break and had a forehand on the run behind the baseline. He totally bailed out and went for like a 5% forehand down the line. Like yeah. that, that moment, that was one of those moments that just kind of disgusted me. It's like, that's a terrible you're down four one you're still in this and you're just going to give up a point because you're frustrated. So there's still that percentage of mental work that he can do. Well, there's yeah. And, and people talk about talent, you know, um, a lot of, a lot of these aspects, sort of the trigger happy or ADD type deal where you, you try to bail out too quickly or go for something that can be worked on through meditation, you know, because in meditation, you, you train yourself to gently pull yourself back to center and, and do so without judgment time and time and time again. And it's like a muscle that you, you practice and, and you hone and, um, that's the type of mental acuity that you need after a, a bad point or whatever, a bad shot, whatever, to bring yourself back to the center and neutral. And Novak does that. He meditates. So there's actually a talent in that. Um, but 
you, you were spot on about that, um, Gil. And, and I definitely thought that there were moments where I wish Nick had just stayed in the point a little bit longer. Well, then it gets these things about, is it a, whatever talent is and curious, obviously we know about the talent he has for hitting the tennis ball. And that's the, that's the apparent obvious talent. And then there's the talents of, of skills of, of whether it's the talents of concentration, the talents of persistence. And then you don't know what the, what the gulf factor is. And the thing that's going to make us probably scratch our heads about curious forever is, Hmm, what goes on in the, in the training weeks leading up to that. And one of the things that makes Novak and all of our three so pleasing, you know, they put in the hard yards. And so win or lose, you know, they've done that. Even, even Novak, when he lost to Medvedev in that US Open final was outplayed and was flat. It's like, okay, that's all right, Novak. You know, you put in your share of work to become, to do what happens. And this guy played better than you and that's okay. And with Kyrgios, it's like, you just wonder what his whole training gestalt is how he prepares and how he practices and how, because his, his pride is on being cool about it. You know, he tells us that he's kind of cool and, you know, how much he likes to play. You know, he was, he sent his pressure. Said, I was playing basketball a few weeks ago. I, sh I, don't, I shouldn't even be here. Well, where should he be? It does seem like he's in better physical condition. Yes. In, in sets one and two, he, he, they did play a lot of rallies. And I think Nick badly wanted to have a chance to outlast Novak. And especially in the second set, it was like, all right, not going to happen really. And, and then we started to see stuff that, that you wonder about, like the double faults. And when Djokovic is start beginning to dominate from the back of the court there, that is applying that extra pressure for Kyrgios to hit the second serve 115 miles per hour instead of 105, like he might against a normal opponent, uh, because it was such a statement by Djokovic from the baseline of I'm, I'm going to be a machine. Like I'm not going to miss. You can't go backhand to backhand. Cause I will hurt you with, with my backhand, just as much as my forehand, you will be drop shotted. I will come forward if you drop it short. And at a certain point, that's where, where you saw Nick kind of crack. Novak, this is one of the most uh, impressive efforts I've seen from because of the, the uncertainty of playing Kyrgios. I mean, we've seen Novak beat everyone, but in a way he kind of, he can measure and he can kind of diagram that and diagnose it. But this one, you know, what this guy is going to do sometimes and some of the shots he's going to hit. And how Novak, so that's a little harder thing to measure and to see how Novak just stayed in it and his, his tranquility through all of those things is very impressive. Yeah, and, and before we continue talking about Novak, I, there's just a couple of things I want to say about Curios. First of all, um, in, in a press conference, I did get to ask him about his training um, a little bit earlier this year, and he has upped his work in the gym, and he's actually quite proud of that, and, and a little bit made light of it. He said, um, yeah, I actually, you know, worked hard for the first time or something like this year, and, and wow, who knew that it could actually pay off? And also, he made mention of the fact that he has injuries that he doesn't talk about a lot, but he's in uh, pain or he has been in pain. Um, and he felt that the extra work in the gym in the off season actually uh, took the edge off of that a little bit this year. So he is in better shape. Good call on that. And he is training some. Um, the other thing is, 
as bullish as I am about Nick Kyrgios, and I wrote a story about a week before Wimbledon that I thought he had a shot to contend. So I really believed that he could do well in this tournament. I'm not sure that him making the final and taking a set off of Novak is a sign necessarily of good things to come from Nick Kyrgios. I think we just don't know. Keep in mind, uh, Russians could not play in this tournament. Uh, he did not have to play a semifinal. And his draw, as you guys have pointed out, was a little bit weak. So um, the fact that a, a big serving guy made the finals in this particular tournament, I'm not sure is a great sign of things to come. So he'll have to prove it. Couldn't agree with you more. I, because I, I, and Kira said also, if he'd won, he'd have been less motivated. He said that in his press conference. So in a way, anyone who tries to use this as a tea leaf Oh yeah, Kyrgios, here he comes. And this motivates him. No idea whatsoever. And I, I, I wrote that too. I agree with you on that. Um, I wanted to know, what do you guys make of the, um, of the talking, of the constant, of the chatter, whether it's with the umpire or the crowd and between points? I mean, I, I have my thought. I, I'm not a fan of it because I think it, it's a way of, it's a form of pre-choking in a certain kind of way. But I'm- Pre, hold on, pre-choking? Yeah, it's like a way of writing my story. I'm writing my story. It's a way of creating a distraction from the effort of competing. It's a way it's, I mean, if you look, if you look at the exemplary competitors being Novak and Rafa, let's just say, watch how little that happens. No, Novak has some moments where he jabbers to himself a little bit, but you don't see much of that. So I don't know what Nick's, is, is that an escape outlet or for what, what do you think? Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Go ahead, Gil. I feel like semi-unqualified to evaluate it because I think he has an issue. Like, I, I don't think... Joel, we don't even need to look at Federer and Rafa and Novak. I've never seen any player, male or female, in my life do what Nick does. And it's a, a lack of, look, to me, it looks like blowing off steam and he needs to be yelling at someone. And if he can find, if he can figure out a way to make that the umpire, great. If he can find someone in the crowd, great. Uh, in this match, pretty good umpiring. Congratulations, uh, Renaud Lichtenstein. Uh, pretty, nope, nobody in the crowd. So he decides to choose his box and his box apparently wasn't supporting him enough. Every time the camera cuts to his box, they're giving him a standing ovation. So obviously they were doing everything they could, but Nick just needed a way to direct his, his rage somewhere. That's my read on it. Here's a guy who claims to be his own kind of guy. Doesn't need a coach, marches his own drummer. And I'm in the Wimbledon final. Come on, all of you, cheer me on, cheer me on, cheer me on. It's just like the way I notice how he, he, he pretends he doesn't care about things, but then he, he sh I mean, I wonder how many, uh, 
How many hours do you think he spends not near his cell phone? I, I can't make a judgment about that since I'm on mine a lot, <laughs> okay. you know, but, but um, I, in terms of the chatter, it's not one of those that I get outraged about because I, I do think it's at times un borderline uncomfortable to watch. Uh, it's dramatic, it's edgy, um, but in some ways it is funny because he did mention to the umpire that the woman had 700 drinks. And, um, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with humor. Uh, I, I, I But again, it's, the chair umpire has to figure out what is too much and and what can be allowed but it certainly doesn't bother me i'm not talking about outrage i'm talking about competing i'm talking yeah. about yeah so so what talking, i do talking is an indignant moral i i get something i'm talking about huh nick you want to win more is this is this aiding is this you know a, a, my friend alan fox a psychologist tennis psychologist says, don't do things that keep that preclude you from winning only do things that help you compete effectively. I don't know if we can say definitively that the ongoing dialogue with his box was really hurting his tennis all that much uh, because we would need to, in order to prove that, we would need to have an example of when he didn't do that. And that doesn't really exist. <laughs> right, right Amy? To... Amy, don't we need a control group in order to ca uh, prove causation? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, we don't know. Um, okay. We're 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 kind of dime store psychiatrist speculation here. But um, he did make the finals of Wimbledon this year. He got through the tournament. Um, so he does as as much as we've torn him down here. He needs a tip of the cap for that. Absolutely. I was very impressed. And I'll tell you this: is for all the things that disturb me about him, I don't want to turn away when he's playing a match. I don't want to miss a point. And that's pretty rare for anyone in the history of tennis. I don't want to miss a point because of what the rally will be. And it's going to have a lot of engagement to it. I'm with you. And uh, yeah, I think we all agree. It was a pretty good performance from him, uh, all things considered. Let's go to the, uh, the historical angle with Novak. Seventh Wimbledon, Joel, that's as many as Pete. I know. And Pete was the guy he first watched play Wimbledon. You know, Novak said, he said 92. Pete won Wimbledon the first time in 93. And, and even Gorn was talking about it in his press conference. Gorn even said, well, wait, I won in, uh, I beat Pete in 92. I lost to Andre in 92. What's Novak talking about? Nonetheless, um, tying with Sampras, seven, seven Wimbledons. That's just, it's kind of, how do you say that? It kind of crept up on us because there was so many years of Federer's excellence and Novak, he won his first way back in 11. And now it's, his seventh and 22. And um, it was a tremendous effort, fourth straight. I remember in, uh, in 2018, that was the year um, Federer was the defending titleist and he was the 10th anniversary of his great match with Nadal. So are they going to meet in the finals? And then here, here along came Novak and he hasn't lost since 2017. It's very impressive. Epic with Nadal in 18 in the semis, masterclass in the final. Epic with Federer in 19 in the final. And then the last, and now the last two years has felt very much like nobody. And of course, a lot of this might be that he hasn't needed to face Federer and Nadal. And this year it was particularly unfortunate because of the way it happened with Rafa. Uh, the last two years, it's felt like nobody is just close to him. Like there's just nobody in the field on grass who is particularly threatening in Novak's path. Well, as we said, though, this curious one was more of a challenge than last year's Berrettini. And I agree with that. 
but in the end, same result, same, same result. And, and although it was a close match, Novak comes in a heavy favorite and wins in four. I mean, it, I don't know. Like it, it just, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like there's a real Nadal, I think would have been really interesting this year, but then after that, and, and Medvedev not being there, I think that mattered a lot also because I'm intrigued by Daniil's long-term status on grass. But it, it just it feels like Novak has a mastery of this surface from the return edge and the movement and also the way his ground strokes work because they are flat and deep and powerful that it's uh, he's very much the class of the field. And it's just been... a very clean runs through Wimbledon the last two years. And no asterisks, by the way, uh, no asterisks for Nadal winning the Australian Open, no asterisks here because there were not Russians in the field and Nadal had to pull out. Although I agree with you, a Rafa Novak final in this setting particular would have been very compelling. And I think probably a closer match. Um, but Novak really deserved this. And um, there was, as we talked about, external factors, which may have added pressure. And um, I, I, I just thought it was a bravura performance. Yeah, 21 slams now, Nadal 22. So the slam tally, the, the race continues. And we knew, though, we knew when we started this show two years ago and even before, Novak was going to have more chances to win majors than our other two between Roger's age and some of the um, physical fragility that Nadal has experienced. We didn't, we didn't think, of course, it's going to happen to Rafa upon reaching the Wimbledon semis. I mean, it appeared more likely, hey, remember six weeks ago, I was wondering if Nadal was even going to play Wimbledon. Remember yeah, we all were. Scenario. And yes. so there he was. And yeah, that's a little bit of a, a shucks that they didn't get to meet one another. But that's the way it goes sometimes. For a little while there, we thought that major number 21 was for, for Novak was going to be that coveted pass Roger pass Rafa major potentially in Australia. So it's funny how he gets 21 to pass Roger, which you would think like, if you just didn't know anything other than that, you'd think, Oh, this is a huge deal. But now it's still the, the, the goalpost has moved. Rafa has pushed the goalpost forward. And that's not even in like, a, that's not even a top three bullet point here, but it's almost crazy that it's not because Novak just passed Roger. Well, and I also, while you guys know, and I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the goat dialogue, but I will say for those who are the, Data-driven case for Roger, I said this a few years ago, the data-driven case for Roger is off the table. The data-driven, the quantitative. Other things, people so wish they can, but as far as the data, you know, these two guys are posting some pretty darn good numbers and Novak, well, then Novak, which slams is gonna get to play in the future? Yeah, and most of the data points in favor of Roger Federer have been on grass. And slowly those, even those are fading. And, you know, Novak, the, from the looks of it, he's got a few years left, a few really good years left. So um, Roger better uh, <laughs> keep working on that comeback. I think moving forward for Novak as well, it is a, an emotional turn the page. It took a while. 
but I, I think now he'll finally be able to put the last year behind him. Uh, where, and we discussed this pre-match and from the Olympics to the U.S. Open to the Australian Open and then to a lesser extent Roland Garros this year. It, there have been different levels of bad experiences and in, in Australia's case, traumas. And now I think back at Wimbledon, the epicenter of tennis in many ways, especially for Novak, you win it, you hold another trophy. And now, even if you can't play New York, you don't feel as terrible about it as you would. Well, yeah, but think of also the possibility of Novak um, for the years to come, not being able to play two hardcore slams. I, I still feel... I still feel like the Australia thing is uh, is a pretty sure bet that they're going to waive the three year thing. No, I, I think you know, I'm, I'm going to say something. I, I think I think the United States should waive it and let him in. And and that's not because I'm a fan of Novak Djokovic. And I'll just say right now, I am a fan, and I'm also a fan of Roger, and I'm also a fan of Rafa, pretty equally. So um, I really think that we're at a place in this pandemic, if it's even technically classified as a pandemic anymore, I think we're at a place where it's okay to waive it. And um, yes, there's still infections and hospitalizations and all that, but they're way down and the virus has been watered down. And um, these restrictions are being lifted in various ways across the globe. And by the way, when we became experts in Australian health policy and immigration law, we started looking into the U.S. law. And, you know, right now it's true that foreign nationals cannot come into the United States unless they've been vaccinated, unless you have someone who is in the State Department, and unlike um, Australia, where there's just one guy who makes the final decision, within the United States government, there are a number of people uh, who can uh, advocate for him or give him the waiver. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that to have a good US Open, um, that this restriction is waived. Okay, well, we'll see what happens. I don't have much to add to that, but I'm glad you were able to bring uh, your own your own insights into that. Uh, we'll be we'll be following that really carefully. And the Australia thing that I said before, it's it's more of a gut feeling. I do have I have had Australians back me up on this, uh, but it, it seems unreasonable that they would uphold the the three year automatic ban. And I I, I, I do know I do know for sure that it can be appealed and then go to go to a decision makers. I agree with you about the ban. So then what becomes the, the law in Australia or what, what do they decide? And I guess it's, yeah, month to month. I agree with that. I don't think the three-year, I think the three-year ban won't take effect. Wimbledon 2022, let's, uh, let's wrap it up with kind of closing, closing memories slash thoughts. And I'll go first. So I give you guys time to think. When I think about this run from Novak, it's going down early, being completely unfazed, and going into this flawless, mistake-free, machine-like lockdown mode, giving his opponents so, so very little. 
uh, to work with in terms of errors and doing it three times in a row against Sinner, Nori, and, and Kyrgios. He was in a deficit every single time. And the common theme in those matches, which all looked a little bit different, especially this final, was that there were so few mistakes and the level of execution was so high from Novak Djokovic. Amy? I think what I'll remember is the Superman pose on the grass, which he then repeated after this match when he won the championship. It was against Sinner, I believe. And that amazing shot, that the point that he won on that, how he did it, I don't know. And I think it's kind of emblematic of his relationship with the grass. He's on the ground. His arms are stretched out. And um, just a, a great kind of iconic new pose um, to take away from this championship. Yeah, he was even on balance when he was on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> um, my Wimbledon thing I enjoyed most, um, I enjoyed the Nadal Fritz match. I mean, that's the match I found most uh, engaging in Savory Novak, no question, like you said, business, incredible, number seven, that's great. I enjoyed so much seeing Nadal problem solve his way through that match and deal with all those things and play so many interesting kinds of points and do what Nadal does. And that's what makes the uh, not having that curious Nadal semifinal kind of unfortunate. But again, that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Pretty unbelievable. He beat the world number 12, I want to say, without much of a serve. It's quite it's quite the feat, even though the you know history won't won't really remember it since um, history tends to remember the, the champion of, uh, of these kinds of events, which is Novak Djokovic. Congratulations to him and his fans. Can't wait to hit the hard courts for the North American hard court swing, and we'll have coverage here on three. That'll do it for this episode. Remember, we're available on all podcast platforms. We appreciate it if you leave a rating and a review, especially if you enjoyed our coverage throughout this fortnight. And if you're watching on YouTube, like, comment, and subscribe. We will see you next time on the next episode of 3.